the reading for the service tonight and also the, the reading that will serve as the basis for the sermon tonight is from Exodus chapter 33. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you also have found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim you before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned a moment ago, the text for this evening's message is the Old Testament lesson that I read just a few moments ago, but at this time I want to highlight these following verses from Exodus 33. And I'm reading this time from the New International Version. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock, and will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Advent King, dear fellow servants, during this coronavirus epidemic, we have become kind of preoccupied with masks, in fact, I was thinking of wearing the mask during this message, but I, but I figured now I, I would liberate myself from it for a time. But we are. We're preoccupied with masks, aren't we? I mean, we, ha- we, we have to wear them. We hate to wear them. We have trouble breathing through them. We resent them. But we also grudgingly accept their necessity. 
The other day I was shopping at Meyer grocery store, and anyways, everybody there was wearing a mask. Uh, the cashiers were wearing masks, the store workers were wearing masks, all of us who were buying things there were wearing masks. And as I was wandering through the meat section, someone greeted me saying, hello, pastor, how are you doing? And I looked at the person and I responded, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't recognize you behind your mask. I didn't recognize you behind your mask. I often think that that is something that could be said about God. Because you see, God wears masks. Out of love for us and a desire to have an intimate relationship with us, God puts masks on. That's right, he puts masks on. Martin Luther calls these masks the larvae day. These masks of God are the external forms to which God accomplishes his purposes for the world, often in quiet and hidden sorts of ways. They're the masks behind which God himself is present and at work in our lives. Tonight, we begin an Advent and Christmas sermon series that I've entitled, The Mass That God Wears. And in the next five sermons, I'm going to be talking about some of these masks that God puts on for our well-being. Moses said in our text, show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. In other words, Moses was saying, God, I want to see you take your mask off. It's kind of interesting, really. Because in Exodus 33, verse 11, which is one verse before our text, we're told that God and Moses would often meet in the tent of meeting. And while they were in the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses. These are the exact words from verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. So Moses enjoyed a very intimate relationship with God. I mean, he literally got to speak to him face to face. And yet, in the text that I just read to you, you probably heard God say, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. So what does this mean? <laughs> well, you see, God is the creator, and we're the creature. God is holy. We're sinful. God is omnipotent. We are weak. God is eternal. We're bound by time. The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain God. But you and I, well, we can be contained in a casket, even an urn. You see, sinful human beings cannot see God in his naked transcendence and survive. That's what God is saying. Since the fall of humankind into sin through the rebellion of Adam and Eve, there can be no unmediated relationship between God and us. God must wear a mask in all of his dealings with human beings if we are to have a relationship with him. Martin Luther writes, Perhaps God appeared to Adam without a covering, 
But after the fall into sin, he appeared in a gentle breeze, as though enveloped in a covering. Similarly, he was enveloped later on in the tabernacle by the mercy seat and in the desert by cloud and fire. Moses, therefore, calls these objects faces of God through which God manifested himself. And then Luther continues, This nature of ours has become so misshapen by sin, so depraved and utterly corrupted, that it cannot recognize God or comprehend his nature without a covering, without a mask. It is for these reasons that these coverings, these masks, are necessary. And so when it says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, that God would meet with Moses face to face, God was meeting with Moses with a mask on. Because there was no way that Moses could look upon God in all of his glory and majesty, his naked transcendence, so to speak, and live. At various times in the Old Testament narrative, we're told that followers of of God actually looked upon the face of God. So, for example, Isaiah. Isaiah looked upon the face of God and he said, Woe to me, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah realized that it's impossible to look upon the face of God and live. Gideon, when he realized that he had looked upon the face of the angel of the Lord, said, Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And Gideon was afraid for his life. He thought even looking upon the face of the, Lord, face of the angel, the messenger of God, would somehow result in his death. And God had to assure him, peace, do not be afraid, for you're not going to die. To see God in all of His transcendent glory, power, and might would be terrifying for us mere mortal people. And if Isaiah and Gideon had actually seen the face of God in its totality, they would have died. But God was wearing a mask. When God descended upon Mount Sinai, We're told that the people of Israel saw the thunder and the lightning and they heard the trumpet and they saw the mountain in smoke and they trembled with fear and they stayed away at a distance. They weren't even looking upon the face of God. They just saw His majesty and glory manifested there and that was enough to terrify them. Imagine what seeing the face of God in its totality and all of His glory would do to you and to me. We would be annihilated if we were to see God in His glory. The scene that came to my mind as I was kind of rereading this message for tonight was the the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you've ever seen the movie, you know that they find the, the Ark of the Covenant. And as they lift the cover off the Ark of the Covenant, there's this, well horrible scene where this thing comes out of the out of the out of the ark and everybody's looking upon it and initially it looks so beautiful and then all of a sudden it turns ugly and creepy and everybody that's looking at this object with their eyes just melts i think that is what might happen if we were to stand in the presence of god and all of his majesty and glory that he possesses as the creator of 
all things. And that's why God comes to us in masks. So let's back up just a little bit and let's tell you a little bit about the backstory that leads up to this text. You see, the context for this text began with the Lord's call to Moses at the burning bush. God called Moses to go to Pharaoh so that he might say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses was then called to lead the people of Israel out of slavery into the promised land. And when Moses protested that call that God gave to him, he said, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God promised Moses at that point in time, I will be with you. I will be with you. The implication being that the liberation of the Israelites would be due to God's presence and would not be dependent on anything that Moses would bring to the transaction. And since that beginning, since that call that God made upon Moses, many things have happened. The ten plagues persuaded Pharaoh to let the Israelites leave Egypt. The Lord led the Israelites out of Egypt, visibly present with them as a pillar of cloud by day and a a pillar of fire by by night. And then they saw the loss, then we see the loss of, of faith at the Red Sea, and we hear of the drowning of the of the Egyptian army at the Red Sea. And then we have the miracles of manna and water. And then Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to receive the commandments. But when he came down, what did he find? He found that Aaron and the Israelites had crafted a golden calf and they were worshiping it. A grievous sin. We read in chapter 32, So Moses went back to the Lord and he said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot out me. Blot me out of the book that you have written. But God says to Moses, he says, whoever sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. Then at the beginning of chapter 33, God tells Moses to leave Sinai and to go to the promised land, saying, leave this place, you and the people that you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants, for I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. Did you hear those words? Those terrifying words? I will not go with you. Oh, how that must have terrified Moses. He had been promised by God that God would go with them. But now because of the grievous sin of the people of Israel, they worshiping a false god, a a golden calf, so made God angry that it was like, I'm going to punish these people. In fact, I'm not even going to go with them and lead them through this wilderness to the promised land. 
And as I said, this must have terrified Moses because Moses was called by God to lead the people of Israel through the wilderness to that promised land. And now he was faced with this daunting task, this near impossible task, without the Lord journeying with them, being present with them. To make matters even worse... Moses had visibly seen God distance himself from the people. Not only did God say that he would punish the people for their sin, but he was visibly distancing himself from the people. For now, the tent of meeting where God and Moses would meet was outside of the camp of Israel. It was outside of it. It was like God was separating himself from the people, not wanting anything to do with them. And again, this terrified Moses. And so Moses says, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation, remember, Lord, this nation is your people. And in response to Moses' pleadings, The Lord promises Moses and the people of Israel his presence. He says in verse 14, and this is a critical part of this text, in verse 14, God says, my presence will go with you. In the Hebrew, it's literally, my face will go with you. My face will lead the way, and I will give you rest. Moses seems to be in such a panicked situation or state that he doesn't hear this promise that the Lord has just made to him when he said, my face will go with you. My presence will be with you. I will be the Lord Emmanuel. I will be with you through it all. He doesn't seem to hear that because he goes on in our text, if your presence, if your face does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with all your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing that you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And so then Moses takes it one step further. Actually, he probably goes one step too far. And he doesn't quite comprehend what it is that he is saying to God. And he doesn't realize, I think, the tragic results of what he's asking of God. But he asks God to unmask himself. To reveal himself in glory. He says in verse 18 of our text, show me your glory. Show me your glory. It sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? But it's really quite, what? What? maybe full-hearted of, of Moses to ask this? Because as we've seen before, if God were to show Moses his glory, Moses and the rest of the people would be completely crushed, annihilated. And that's why the Lord responds in verse 19 saying, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But God said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And so, 
God hides. He hides behind a mask, so to speak. And why? So that Moses and the people of Israel may experience the goodness of God. So that they might experience His mercy and His compassion. But they cannot see His face. And so then in verse 21 and following we read, And then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover my hand until, I mean, I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And in that moment, God in his love masked himself, hid himself from Moses. And in so doing, he revealed his love and mercy and goodness and compassion to Moses. And throughout the wilderness journey, God was present with his people. His face went before them, and he delivered them into the land flowing with milk and honey. My face, my presence will go with you. That's God's promise for you and for me. God's face goes with us. But it will be veiled. And because it's veiled, God will enter into an intimate relationship with us. We will learn not to be afraid of Him or to fear Him, for we will see Him in His love and in His goodness and in His mercy. God is our Lord Emmanuel. He is with us. But in order to experience God's goodness and to have His mercy and compassion in our lives, His presence in our lives, the Lord remains masked. And it's behind these masks that God wears that He provides us, provides for us and cares for us and loves us. And it's because God wears masks that we don't always recognize that He is the one who is blessing us. In the coming sermons, I'm going to focus on some of these masks. Tonight I've just kind of laid some groundwork. But I'm going to focus on some of these masks in which God appears to us. So I'm going to talk next week about the masks of suffering. And then the following week I'm going to talk about the masks of how God hides behind the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. But through these means comes and ministers to us with His grace and mercy and goodness. On Christmas Eve, I'm going to talk about Jesus being the ultimate mask of God. And then on Christmas Day, we're going to talk about the fact that you and I are God's masks. The Lord is present with us. He is present with us throughout our earthly pilgrimage. His masked face leads us. And eventually we will arrive in the promised land, our eternal home. And however intimate our relationship with the Lord is during our earthly sojourn, we are still, as long as we're in the flesh, seeing things through a glass darkly. But then at the end of time, at the end of our life, when we're received into heaven, we shall see Him face to face. 
St. John writes, and I conclude with this thought, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.